Tom Parry, are you okay? Oh, I think so. That That's the problem, isn't it? I think I'm okay. I've been told I'm okay, but am I really okay? I mean, you just forgot how time worked, and that worries me. <laughs> yeah, it's all up in the air at the moment. Uh, yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm good. You're forgetting this is an introduction <laughs> to Tom and Matt Attack. That was great. Yeah, great introduction. Another classic. Oh man, I'm I'm worried how this podcast is going to go. Are you are you genuinely okay? I think I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's talk let's talk about some video games then. Um <laughs> what have you been playing, Tom Parry? Wow, right in there, Matt. You know, no, no, no messing around. No little no little don't we do a bit of banter before we I get mean, into this? I mean, we usually do, but I do you do you want to divulge why you might not be okay, or are you gonna keep that to yourself? I'll keep that to myself. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Then I'm not gonna ask you how you are because I know how you are. Um, I'm doing great, thanks, Tom. Um, how has your week been? <laughs> See, all of these questions lead. Oh yeah, to... yeah. Okay, okay. Well, uh, my week's been all right. You know. Uh... I played a few games. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Let's do <laughs> Wonderful. that. Well, actually, it, it, it's been uh, oh gosh, my levels are spiking somewhat. It's been two weeks, I think, since we've last podcast. Is that correct, Matthew? Yes, it has. Uh, right. So, played a few games in that time. Last time we chatted, you talked about Last of Us Two. I did. Yeah, I beat that game. I thought it was very, very good. So I decided. Like I said on the podcast, I would give it a go. And uh, yeah, yeah, suitably impressed. Uh, I have only played an hour of it. Yeah. But uh, it was a good first hour. Okay. Uh, what can I say about it? Yes, it was uh, very cinematic. It felt like the closest thing I played to an interactive movie. I suppose it's close to something like Red Dead 2. I would say so. I can make some comparisons there, especially since you start off on a horse. Well, I mean, in a lot and of there's games, some, and there's snow, the and there's a horse, and it, it very much reminded me of uh, Red Dead. Yeah, I'm. There, there are definitely bits of that game where I'm like, oh, Naughty Dog really liked that first Red Dead, eh? Well, no, I say Red Dead Two specifically is what I'm, I'm talking about here. When did Red Dead? But I mean, like, I imagine Last of Us Two was very much under development by the time Red Dead Two. Yeah, I think it's probably just purely coincidence that there's. Horses and snow at the beginning of the game. No, uh, but I, I mean specifically, there are bits in that later game which I can't spoil that are very reminiscent of the first Red Dead, so we say. So yeah, it's part of that same genre, isn't really? Although Red Dead is would be more of an open world game than Last of Us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Last of Us is 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 very very cinematic. Uh, great looking game. It's probably one of the best I've seen on. Uh, current hardware although of course we're going to talk about the matrix uh, awakens a bit later on which yes. hopefully will be the the benchmark for uh, future next gen game releases you would hope uh, 
Yeah, I mean, if I guess if the game's using uh, Unreal Engine 5, then we can expect to see something similar to that. But going, going back to Last of Us 2, uh, I wasn't sure I would necessarily like a game with so much story. Right. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm more into my arcade-style games. Yes. But I think always when story's done really well and uh, the characters are very well-realised um, and it draws you in, then you don't mind so much. No. Uh, so it was a good sort of interactive movie experience, and I think the way it introduces the controls was really good. Yes. See, I can't talk about much of the game because I've hardly played it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say its introduction and its tutorials are sort of masked behind situations like the snowball fight at the beginning and that traversing the uh, landscape when you first play as Abby. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel like a tutorial, and I really appreciated that about it. Of course, the snowball fight feels like, oh, this is a tutorial, but, yes. you know, it was. it's also woven into the, the narrative quite well. Yeah, in contrast to a game that I've played, that I'll talk about in a bit, where I thought it was very... Well, I mean, to be fair, we can probably contrast the two games. I know you've played a bit more, but I started playing Spider-Man this morning... Mm. And I felt the tutorial section there very much felt like a tutorial section. And I, I do agree that what you're saying about The Last of Us, yes, it does feel like a tutorial. But how they weave that into the storytelling, unlike Spider-Man, which is just like, oh, we're just going to put you in a lot of rooms, essentially, and you're going to fight these enemies by doing this thing. And there's going to be big things on screen telling you what to do. Oh, yeah, that's right. Very game, game-like, wasn't it? The yes. tutorial in Spider-Man, yeah. But I, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I, I said to you, I, even though I know you are not a lover of story in games, that you know when the when the story is dominant over the gameplay, mm. I do think there is a lot of good in The Last of Us Two that I thought mm. you in particular would enjoy. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you uh, recommending it to me, and uh, I, I happen to already have the game as I got it cheap. Uh, so I did what you suggested and watched like a recap video of Last of Us 1. And uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't feel like I needed to play the game after watching that. Also, they recap it a little at the beginning with uh, the ending of uh, yes. Last of Us 1. They recap that so yeah. much. But they don't obviously recap the whole of the original game. Uh, but one thing that really struck me was how good the motion capture was. I don't think I've ever seen motion capture in a video game that was to the level of what I was seeing in Last of Us 2. Yeah, I I would agree with you. There are bits though when you're actually in the gameplay. Okay. Where you know a char a character model might jank out, and you're like, ah, oh, it just completely pulled me out. Of yeah, this pulls you out. Yeah, experience. maybe we're not quite there yet, but hopefully uh, in the future we'll reach a point where uh, we can feel fully immersed. But I think for the most part in Last of Us Two, it is very a uh, very immersive experience. Of course, it's a typical sort of like. Uh, stealth style gameplay lots of stealth kills the stealth kills is a little bit of a cliche now in video games but it is uh, it works well in this type of game i mean you are literally stealth killing everyone is generally how i played that game <laughs> well yeah if you have the opportunity to do it you do it and of course you can see uh well what is it you use to sort of see where they are like a special sort of vision mode you have to see where the enemies are 
Yeah, it it's called like Hunter Vision or so. It, it's a detective mode from the Batman game. Spider Man also has this as well, from the looks of things. Where yeah, I kind of feel like I want it in everything now because I talk about Halo a bit later. Yeah, but uh, I think in Halo Infinite there is something like that. But in Halo Five, which I've also been playing, I kept wanting to like turn on some sort of radar to show me exactly where every enemy was. Um, but. Yeah, maybe maybe that's not a hundred percent necessary in in a game like Halo Five, which I'll talk a bit more about later. Even though uh, Halo Five is obviously last how many years ago's news? Uh, plenty of years ago. I mean, to be Five. fair, Last of Us Two <laughs> won Game of the Year last year, and this is Game of the Year season, so we're a year behind the times. Anyway, it's fine. Oh, we always are a little bit uh, behind, but yeah, thanks again for letting, uh, recommending Last of Us Two, and I will. I am eager to actually play it again. You know, when yeah. I'll next do that, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I would like to continue. How long uh, can I expect that game to last for, Matthew? Ooh, Too you, long. Tom, with you, Tom Parry, you're going to be playing it Few for the years. next five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's a long game as it is. Um, I hear Spider-Man is quite short, which, to be fair, I would kind of like. It's above 20 hours, then. Last of Us, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. It, Groan. It, it is a long, long game, um, but yeah, they're making a TV series at the moment. Maybe hold off. <laughs> oh, I've heard, I've heard, and it can, uh, Pedro Pascal is playing Joel. Is that correct? I'm yes. not sure the rest of the casting, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a good actor. I like watching him in stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm f- sure he'll be good. I the yeah, I, I do, but I mean the performance though in the game, whoever's you know performing Joel, for instance, uh, incredibly nuanced performance. I thought. Um, really well acted yeah no i i would totally agree i pretty i mean the same for everyone i guess in it but his performance especially at the beginning his sort of is he wants to care about ellie but he doesn't want to push himself on her so he wants to give her the space but he really does uh yeah care about her obviously if you know what happened in last of us one <laughs> yeah i i just have to check it is troy baker that voices joel in the last of us does he do the motion capture as well? I, I have would, I guess no so. idea. I would guess so. You think the two things are rather intertwined? Uh, no, usually I think it's someone else doing motion capture is how I understand a lot of these things work. Oh, wow, because they seem to work so well together. You can't imagine the person voicing him is not the person doing the motion capture. I, I imagine probably like a lot of the, you know, the not the action, but like the, you know, like when they're talking and, Serious scenes. Oh yeah, but this is what yes, yeah, what I was yeah. thinking of him as I was uh, saying that. Yeah, thinking of that that first sort of cut scene in, in the cabin with uh, Joel when he gives uh, Ellie the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure, but yeah, could be. Mm. But it's good. Um, so I I played like an hour or so of Spider Man. Like I played that tutorial. I guess it's probably mm. about forty minutes or something like that. I. I, right, I should back up a little bit. I went to watch um, Spider-Man No Way Home yesterday, which I won't spoil. Please don't worry about that. Other than saying it's a very good movie. I really enjoyed it. It's probably the most I've enjoyed a a Marvel film in a very long time. Okay, Honestly, great. Well, I give it a 10 out of 10. I wow. don't think there's anything wrong with that movie. I think well, it's great. The last one I saw, uh, was it Far From Home? I, yeah. I, I thought that was really good. I'd give that like an 8. I... I would say nine for the first one. I really, really liked the first Spider-Man with um, 
Oh, Troy Baker. Not Troy Baker. What the blinking heck is his name? I've forgotten his name. It's too many Spider-Man. Um, um, it's uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Thank you very much. Too many T's. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm drunk on tea. The Tom Holland's the first Spider-Man home. Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah, yeah I mm-hmm. really love that film. I think it's great. I think the performance of him, I think the performance of... Um, oh, man, I'm forgetting everybody's bloody name. Uh, Batman, Michael Keaton. Michael, Michael Keaton, thank you very much. Yeah. He's incredible. I, I, I think it's a very good film. Um, mm-hmm. One or two plot bites let it down for me a little bit, but I, I would say that's a nine. I would say Far From Home is an eight. I would say this is a ten. I honestly, like... You know me. I'm not one to dole out tens. I'm very much. No, wow. I don't know. Well, maybe you need to watch it again. Are you, are you like because I think tens. Tens a lot. Tens like Star Wars. Tom, it's a good film. It's a really good film. Like okay. I don't know. It might be that I'm in a very good place this week, but I uh, honestly I've not enjoyed. Well, you know what? 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 That's your enjoyment level. You you felt like ten out of ten. It couldn't be any better. You enjoyed it a heck of a lot. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, like the yeah. the only thing I can put down about that film was the audience I watched it in. Okay. Um, because I I was laughing at a lot of the jokes in the film that seemed to just land completely flat with the theatre I was sat in, which is full of. So people. You weren't with Austin then. I was not. No, <laughs> not with our good friend Austin, unfortunately. <laughs> if there was, if it was a joke, uh, Austin would definitely pick up on it. For sure. No. I, I remember going to the cinema with him to see Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> He he found it more funny than I did. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean it was it was funny. Yeah, but but the, yeah, the reason I went as well is because they've closed cinemas here as of this morning when we're recording this podcast. So it was the last chance I had to quickly go. Oh crap! I need to go watch Spider Man. So I did. Um, mm. and I do not regret that decision. And hopefully, touch wood, there will be nothing that makes me regret that decision. But let's see. Um. So yeah, coming off that, I was like, you know what? I've heard that Miles Morales is set around Christmas. I have the version of it that comes with the remastered version of the original Spider-Man game, which I've heard is very good. I'm going to play Spider-Man. Um, so wow, that's, you know, uh, you want to play through the whole original Spider-Man before Miles Morales. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's only like... Wow, I, and, and you think he's going to be at Miles Morales for Christmas? I don't know. I mean, to be fair, I'm not like, oh my god, I'm going to rush through this Spider-Man game. But I hear it's not very long. I think it's about okay. eight hours from what I remember when I looked it up at the time. Eight hours? Yeah, I think it's a pretty short game. That's really short. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I imagine that's what, just for the story stuff. Oh, never mind. 17 hours in length. Never mind. Oh, okay. 17. May- maybe I might just skip Spider-Man then. Um, Because at the moment... I've, I've, I'm kind of a bit lukewarm on it, if I'm totally honest. Mm. Well, I thought I was impressed by it. I thought everything uh, it, blink, it played very well. It was very well presented. It felt uh, very intuitive. Uh, yeah, I mean, but just feels I, like Batman. I, I tell you, I wasn't blown away by it. That that was when I that my experience of it. I I thought it was incredibly polished, but yeah, it wasn't pushing all my buttons. No, exactly, and that's kind of where I am. I'll play it a little bit more, maybe, and then just skip to Miles Morales. But like, which uh, is shorter, obviously. That that's yeah, probably yeah. more around that sort of eight-hour mark, isn't it? I thought, I thought, I don't know. Like, I was expecting 
the second coming of like Batman. You know that everyone's been trying to replicate Arkham Asylum since that game came out, and how good that third person yeah. action combat felt. I just feel like it's just doing the same thing. I don't. I've not really noticed anything new to it, and I remember when it came out, and people were like, "Oh my god, it feels so good to swing on the webs around the city," and I felt it felt a bit finicky. If I'm, I'm totally mm. honest. Oh, well, like, well, I can't recall it feeling finicky. I just recall it saying, "Well, I have actually done this before." Yeah, in a, I... but it's not like it's brand new. Webs. No, I, I mean it was really well implemented in Go Back to Spider Man Two. And I think since then, every other Spider-Man seems to have done this pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, I... But this one, I think there is a difference in the web swinging. I think you can only swing if there's something to swing onto. It's not like you're swinging through the sky. No, but to be honest was... with you, that's kind of a bit annoying because a lot of the tutorial section of that start when you go into the Kingpin's Tower is like, hmm. yeah, we're just going to make you swing over a park. And it's like, but there's no buildings. And it's like, oh, mm. yeah, but you can press X and you can shoot webs at the floor. And I was like, oh, that doesn't feel satisfying. <laughs> I want to swing. No. I remember that kingpin bit being a bit frustrated by the combat there. Uh, I had some difficulty getting through that section. I don't know if you uh, had the same or you took to it better than me. No. And that's... I, I didn't die, but I came very close to yeah, dying. Yeah, I, I died in that, that section. Yeah. Um, don't know what what difficulty you're playing it on. I'm just playing it on normal. Like I, yeah. I, I heard that this game is pretty easy anyway, so I just played it on the normal difficulty. I was playing it on normal, I think. But you know, with Last of Us Part Two, I think I put it on casual or something. Yeah, I definitely put it on casual for Last of Us Part Two, <laughs> um, and that's why I was just stealth killing everyone and going ha 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 ha. Um, I think it's the kind of game which benefits from that. Yes, if you no. just want to in, enjoy it. Because there's a lot of story there to, to get through, I suppose. Oh, like, you... I played The Last of Us, the original one, halfway through on normal and then had to restart the game by resetting it down to the other difficulty because if you get if you get attacked by a clicker, you just instantly mm. die. Like, it's an insta-kill. And I'm like, fuck yeah. this. Like, <laughs> Now, we've talked about it before. We're yeah. very welcoming of these sort of, like very easy modes in games that allow you to enjoy the story. It's nice to have the option for several difficulty levels. Whenever a game starts up and I see something like extreme difficulty, very hard, yeah. I think, why Why would anybody want to subject themselves to that? Because people like a challenge, Tom. I like a challenge, but that's normal for me. I don't want anything above normal. Unless, you know, I'm really good at a game, which is rare. I, I have played So Calibur and Hard. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. I've never done Halo on on hard. I've played or legendary. Is I've it legendary? I've played Halo on legendary. Yeah. I kind of okay with how it is on its normal difficulty. Oh, don't get me wrong. Halo is hard on legendary, but like yeah. the thing is, when I when I used to be in that mood of I'm going to play through Halo on legendary, I never beat the first game on legendary. I beat Halo two and Halo three. I was playing yeah. so much on Xbox Live that I felt that it benefited me to play the campaign at a really tough mm. pace because that it felt sense. more reflective of how it was to play online. Well, speaking of Halo, shall yes. I talk a little Let, to Halo, Halo Infinite? Halo Infinite is wonderful. I think I sent, sent that you in a message. I think you wonderful did. is a good, good word to describe it. It's everything you probably want. 
from from a new Halo game because I think at this point they needed to do something slightly different uh, rather than your typical uh, mission-based levels. Uh, I have been contrasting the experience of Halo Infinite with Halo 5, which I started but never finished. So I've actually more recently been playing more Halo 5 and really enjoying it. I think it's a good game and incredibly uh, polished. Yeah. Um, I even... uh, but I think there's a moment in Halo 5, I don't know if it's, I mean, it's so long since I played the beginning of that game, but there's a moment when I was playing it recently where you bumped into the Covenant. Right. And it was like, oh, yeah, there's those grunts, you know, saying their little catchphrases. And it, it gave me a lot of nostalgia. And fighting those enemies, for me, is always more interesting than fighting perhaps uh, the, the the Forerunners. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's Forerunner. The, those robots in Halo 5, they're connected to the Forerunners, at least. I know that. Prometheans, they're called, aren't they? Prometheans in Halo 5. So I think so. I can't remember. It's been a while. I never I think played for 5. Lot, so. uh, well, I think for a lot of people, this will be like... This new game's obviously been designed to appeal to older Halo fans who have nostalgia for the earlier games. Uh, in one, it's, it's setting on uh, Zeta Halo. Yeah. Um, and we're being very reminiscent of, I think, was it the second mission on Halo 1? The open, more open Silent world. Cartographer, yes. Was that it? Or was it one way you sort of gather? That's a different one. That's on the beach, isn't it, Silent Cartographer? Silent I think Cartographer is the one I where think you go it's, all over the world. Is that? Okay, okay. Uh, it's that one where you're picking up marines. You know, you're driving around the level, you're picking up marines. And that's... As, that is there. That is very present in uh, Halo Infinite. After you get through two initial, like very old school, prop, you know, more traditional Halo levels, then you get into the uh, the wide the wide world, and it all works very well. Uh, you have several different outposts around the map that you go and infiltrate, and there'll be indoor sections to those, and there'll be like. Each one's got like a, a leader, like a boss character that sort of runs that particular part. And in between that, you've got other things you can do, like fuel facilities. Like if you you know destroy all the fuel cells, you know it all helps to try and bring down the banished who have taken over uh, Zeta Halo. Right. Uh, so there, there's plenty of other things to do in between the main sort of mission objectives on the yeah. map it, but it never feels too open it always feels like there's always something quite near you to do it, it sounds uh, actually kind of like ghosts of tsushima to me mm, which is interesting. yeah maybe, maybe like, it is Halo yeah. ghosts of tsushima <laughs> but the actual uh combat is as satisfying as ever and the interactions you have with the covenant enemies are incredibly enjoyable i think maybe in a way that is improved over maybe four and five there's, there's something about the combat that feels very reminiscent of earlier halo games okay um which you know all bundled together into this package it, it is really a fantastic fantastic game and it's a little bit more straightforward it feels in terms of its storyline than say halo 5 which was there's a lot of stuff going on and as you're playing through the levels people are talking at you yeah and it's sort of like yeah, it's good in Halo Infinite where it's just like you just shoot stuff and you don't have to be listening as well to someone else giving you like uh, story information. There are cutscenes occasionally between the main missions, but they're, they're pretty much, so far at least, quite short and sweet. Uh, I would say it's it's a very solid, enjoyable package. 
And that's not to take anything away, I think, from a game like Halo 5, which I've found incredibly enjoyable as well. But uh, Halo Infinite does feel like that sort of fresh... It feels fresh. Yeah. But I think it only feels fresh because you haven't done this exactly this kind of thing since Halo 1. No. (laughs) So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on this, and obviously you texting me and going, Halo is wonderful! Wonderful. Hasn't really helped me going like, oh, maybe I should buy a Series S. But, I, I totally recommend getting a Series oh, S. Oh, but you see, Tom, I, I purchased an analog pocket, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute, so I, I yeah. will not be buying an Xbox anytime soon. Oh, I, but, that's a shame. You're missing out. Oh, You're missing God, out. Shush. You really are. Shush. Um, it, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel that, that perhaps is selling 343 a bit short. From what I've heard, they've kind of managed to, take Halo forward into like more contemporary shooters and kind of having more closer I feel to advanced warfare or something like that from COD like the stuff that people well, like about modern first person shooters yeah, integrating the controls. that through the lens yeah. of Halo and making it feel like a modern shooter it still feels very much like Halo, but you mentioned Call of Duty there and they have moved punch to the stick as standard yeah. I'm going to change um, that immediately. <laughs> yeah, because it should be the bumper, the right bumper. Is that right? Or B. Mm-hmm. If we go back B. all the way, it's B, B. wasn't it? <laughs> um, so, and there's lots of running. You can run as... But then again, you could in Halo 5 just run without yeah. having to have a power-up or whatever. Like in Reach, I remember if you wanted to run, you needed to have a power-up, I think. You did, yeah. Set that, yeah. Uh yeah, okay. Well, I, I, I wouldn't want to sell it short because I think it is absolutely fantastic. And anyone who just has a passing interest in first-person shooters should certainly play it. I mean, uh, Halo has always been a very solid franchise. And I I don't think there's still anything quite like Halo. No. I in, in, out there right now, I think Microsoft have got a very strong IP there that they're very lucky to to still have. I mean, okay, Destiny is probably yeah. pretty close to Halo, at least in how it plays and death, its enemies and such. Um, but yeah, there's something yeah very special about Halo that, that I think in Halo Infinite, this manages to capture it even more, that maybe people have felt like the series has got a bit lost. And I think the series had to do new things. Yeah. No, I when 4-3... Three four three took over. I think it was very important they injected some sort of newness into Halo, and and and, and I think they did that. But this is like sort of like they've managed to balance things here by making it still feel like classic Halo, but adding in a lot of new gameplay elements that are keeping the series fresh. I, th- I wonder where they can go from here. They can create different worlds to explore because essentially there is only really one map, and yeah. it is. Uh, a grassy, rocky, yeah, world, Halo ring. I'm um, sure if you progress through that game, Tom, you will end up on alien spaceships that are covered in zombies. That's just a guess. I'm just throwing that out there because that seems like something that would be new in a Halo game. No, I was talking about the flood. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think it's props also a very good time for a Halo game. I mean, we're two years into a fucking global pandemic. Everyone's just crying out for nostalgia. And I think Halo coming along and going like, oh, don't worry, the Chiefs here is, is perhaps a good time for that. Yeah. They've done an amazing job of taking the reins, So I think 343, especially with this game, have really um, 
pulled it out of the bag here. And I think Halo's very safe with them as a studio. I would be curious to see when the Coalition eventually develops the new Gears of War, will they take note of what they've done here? Because I think, for me, the Gears games after Gears 3, which is kind of the same deal, right? Like Epic stops developing Gears of War, Mm. and then it kind of goes off the rails a little bit. I'm wondering if they'll kind of reassess after Gears of War 5 what made those first Gears games good and then try and bring that into the modern era the same way they're trying to do with Halo. Maybe, but they've been quite well received, haven't they? The uh, previous yeah. Gears games. Yes and no. I think I th- I think it's kind of them doing more of the same and not really pushing it forward, but also okay. them kind of making very convoluted stories is what I've heard. Like I, admittedly, I have not played Gears Five. I played a little bit of Gears Four and I played a little bit of Judgment, but like. I fell off gears after the third one because I just felt like the series didn't really evolve in a spectacular way the same way Halo had. No, I, I think played every a lot of gears. I used to play that game competitively for yeah. Xbox Magazine. Like I played a wow. lot of that game. Mm. And now you don't have an Xbox. Well, you do have an Xbox One. You can play all these games. You can play Halo Infinite on your Xbox One. I can play Halo Infinite on my Xbox One, but I hear it runs like. I, I hear it, no, it, I, it runs well enough. Digital Foundry said it's perfectly playable, it runs well. Mm. It just hasn't got that graphical fidelity that you can expect from the other version. Do they, do, the... it on, do they do it on a launch Xbox One, though? Uh, no, I think they're, they're testing on the um, S, I have One feud, S. I have viewed anything on that launch Xbox One. Would you like me to try it? I can try it. Give it a go, you Tom. You've like. got Game Pass. If it if it runs okay, maybe I'll consider buying it. But I yeah. I, I would just go for it. But you say for you, you have to get your Xbox out, don't you? I do. Yeah, I have to find all the cables and everything else. Oh, and you have to buy the game. Sorry, you're not on Game Pass. Are you? No, I'm get, not. Get a trial. Get a, get a Game Pass trial and try Halo. I don't want to, Tom, because then I'll buy a Series S. I don't. I can't. I bought a game. I bought a landline pocket. I stopped talking about Halo because I'm gonna buy a fucking Series S otherwise. I bought an analog pocket, Tom. I bought. I, I paid the money to the analog. They finally let me pay the money, and so, well, so I did. did I, Matthew. I threw the money at them. I said, "Here, give me that. Give me that thing." I almost said Xbox. Give me that analog pocket. Give me that dock. I, I, I even threw them thirty-five dollars more for my error. I know you're a fool. You could have bought um, a Neo Geo pocket adapter for that money, Tom Parry. Yeah. So yeah, let's rewind. Uh, yes. So the analog pocket is. The new console from Analog, who previously released, uh, what is it, FPGA? Yes. Yeah, this is what the technology they're using to uh, recreate older systems. They've done the NES, they've done the, the Super Nintendo, and they've done the uh, Mega Drive so far. Now, now they take the uh, taking the the Game Boy, the Game Boy, po- no, sorry, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. Yes. Yeah, and uh, making a portable console. And you have picked one up. This isn't the first batch, is it? The first batch uh, went for pre-order a while while ago. That first batch, I believe, God, I, it was early in 2019 or 2020. I can't remember. It's been a while because obviously the pandemic... Wow, and people have only just it. got them now, haven't they? Yes, this is they why have. there's a lot of hoo-ha around it. And so Analog rightly, as I think they should have done with the first pre-order, to be honest with you, but I think the pandemic kind of a lot of pressure on them 
was essentially what they said was like, right, we're opening pre-orders. We are just going to open them this time. There's not going to be stock limitations. We are just going to say pre-order as fast as you can. First come, first served. First, we'll get them first half of 21. Second, we'll get them second half. And then the third wave, we'll get them sometime in 2023. So what would you say, Matt? Have you received an email telling you when you're going to get yours no. yet? Neither, neither have I. Yeah, I got mine about five past four. Okay. Um, when it went on sale at yeah. four UK time. My, I've seen some people have order numbers in the six digits and mine's in the five digits. So I'm hoping that I was in that first wave. I got mine about three, four minutes past. Just Yeah, I think well, hopefully we're, we're, you, you've made it for that. Hopefully I have as well. Uh, I was getting off a train at the time, and so I was like trying to assemble all of my stuff and trying to pre-order this thing. It was a bit of a hassle, but I managed it. Um, I can't wait. I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, friend of the podcast, G, friend of the podcast, Vince, from Massive Damage. Like Anyone I know who has one is absolutely raving about it. And I mean, mm. I've liked analog stuff for a long time. Like I remember when they announced the NT, the original NES, if you remember, like using... Oh, that's what it was called. They, they, they give them names, don't they? Yeah. Like the, the Mega Drive one, the Mega SG... And what's the Super Nintendo one? I think yeah. it's just called the Super NT, I think. I think okay, yeah. Yeah. But um, they've released these things. They've also made a PC Engine one that I can't remember the bloody name of, but it's because I have no PC Engine games, so I have no interest. Uh, but everything I have heard about Analog's things over the years, and a friend of ours also has the Mega Drive, and he's just like, this is amazing. And so as soon as they announced this one for the pocket, I was like... Well, it's perfect for you, Mr. Game Boy. Yeah. But it's also just perfect for me in terms of doing biographics, if I'm honest. Like, a lot of why mm. I've you, kind of stopped... I know you've been searching off. for the perfect way to display Game Boy graphics for years. Yeah. and it, In your YouTube videos, yeah. But also just, like, some of the, the quality of life stuff. Like, it allows you to do save states. <laughs> like, mm. you could literally... I would be able to go through something like Castlevania Adventure not bang my head up against that fourth level for five hours. I'd just actually go, well, you know what, I'm going to save this, I'm going to come back to it tomorrow. Apparently, though, the save states are wiped when the system's turned off. But that's fine, I'll just leave it plugged in. <laughs> but they, they will be adding a proper save state function down the, lo- the road, I think. That's but, what I uh, Yeah, they, they only exist until you turn it off. But you can put it into sleep mode, so... You can, and to be honest with yeah. you, with the dock, I will just leave it plugged in if I'm going to do stuff like that, so it'll be fine. Um... It's also, it just has a lot of quality of life stuff, like all of the LSDJ stuff being built into it, all of the things with like um, GB Dev, like the mm. the customers, the ability for people to actually program games for the system and to release new Game Boy games, like it just is so promising as a thing. And I just look forward so much to being able to just cover whatever the fuck I want and I have to worry about compatibility mm. And I can play games like Angel Marlow, which just don't work with the Game Boy Player or Road Rash. And I mean, I this is not my first rodeo into a HD Game Boy, as you've already alluded to. I backed the HDMI Boy, and I'm probably one of the only people who actually ever got one of those. And yeah. I was just so frustrated that essentially what on paper it should have been the perfect thing. It was a board going out of that original hardware that would output an upscale in HD 
but they fucked it up and they messed the colours around. And I was like, well, no, this isn't the true experience now. And then this snarky response of like, oh, well, you can use a filter to change the colours. I was like, no, I shouldn't fucking have to. And then I got a frame meister. And then I saw this. And I was like, okay, this is just, this is it. This is the thing that I've been searching for this entire time. Mm. Yeah. And so I can't wait to buddy get it. But who knows yeah. when I'm going to. I didn't need to get it. <laughs> But, you didn't. No, but I mean, I, no, I didn't. Not not to the to the level that you you. But there's something about that that just the form factor of it, the convenience of it to play your original cartridges, and not just play one Game Boy format, but all. Yeah. Um, plus Game Gear because I've got the Game Gear adapter. Plus links. And that's links, why I ended up. Plus. Plus. Yeah, into yeah, your yeah. Pocket. I don't know if I'll be getting all the adapters, of course, because shipping is $35 per item. Uh, What what happened to me, I've explained this to Matt, but for our listeners, uh, I didn't realise you could put more than one thing in your trolley. And when you've got this sort of pressure of ordering it as fast as possible, uh, I I just ordered the the, uh, analogue pocket. And then I realised, oh yeah, I could have added more things. And then I bought the uh, Game Boy. I really wanted the Game Gear, sorry, adapter, yeah. uh, particularly, and <laughs> ordered that separately. So hopefully that they'll be able to ship them together. Uh, I've asked them if that's a possibility, but um, I say we haven't heard what one we're going to get these yet. So I guess analog is sort of working that stage out and going through a lot of mails, perhaps from people. Yeah, I and eventually. So. I'll get an answer. Maybe not until they actually ship ship it. I don't know. They've charged you for it. It's not a case of you buy it and uh, they'll charge you on when it's shipped. It's it's gone out of the account. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm very curious actually. The the thing that I wanted to get the the Game Gear adapter for particularly is that it would actually allow me to play my other pet collection project on HD because I wonder if the Master Gear converter actually works with it and so you'd be able to play HD Master System games with then an 8-bit do or I think it, like that. I think it does. I think you have to do a bit of messing around to get the adapter to fit. I I would be happy to do that though. I think that would be ace to be able to play those games yeah. as well in HD because th- that's the only thing that kind of puts me off setting up the Master System is there is no good third-party controller for the mass system. And mm. despite me going to, like, every freaking retro game shop in Denmark and picking up a decent mass system controller, after a while, they start to go wonky. Well, there, there is a good third-party one. You just use the uh, the Saturn ones or the Mega Drive ones from um, Retrobit. They work with the mass system. Do they really? Yeah, I've been I've been using it with my mass system one. Yeah, I've been using the Mega Drive uh, wireless Retrobit. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna have to buy one of them then. That's fine. <laughs> but I still playing that in HD, being able to play original Fancy Star would be nice with save states, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I just I see a wealth of potential in this console. It may actually be the kick up the ass. I need to finish off my Game Boy Color collection. I don't know. There, there's a lot. I bought a Game Boy Color game the other day. Did you really? What did you buy, Tom? Hattie? I bought Blade. Ooh, I. I've heard it's good. It's by Hal Labs. It is an excellent yeah. Game Boy Color game. 
Uh, yeah, so I heard. Uh, I was listening to something the other day which uh, talked to how good Blade was, and it sounded like, yeah, because I, I just watched Blade 2 the other day as well. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll get that. You know, it's been ages since I've actually bought a physical game. Absolutely ages. I can't remember when I last bought a physical game. Um, I can't think, actually, when I last bought one. I was in Copenhagen. I went to Ruben and Bobby. I went to all like these cool places, mm. and there's just nothing, nothing I feel I need anymore. No. Other than like there's like forty game by color games I don't have, and like I check. What about for mass those. system games? You you're on a mass system kick for a while. I think I've got. Everything well, I know you I got want. everything you want. I think I've got everything you? I want for the mass system. Blah, yeah. uh, Glovelius. I think it's the only mass system game I still want. Oh, yeah. I just I have haven't that. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you really? Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I got Power Strike Two, Tom. Do you have that? Power Stone Two. No Power Strike. Oh, I've got Power Strike One though. Yeah, I know. So have I. I can't. No, honestly, I can't remember the last time I bought physical cartridge. No, you said that. I'm sure I've picked something up. Like I must. Oh no, actually, I tell a lie. I remember when I picked up physical cartridge. I bought one a couple of weeks ago. I bought Medal of Honor for the Game Boy advance oh. of the market okay is that um, good i honestly haven't played it it's just one of the it's just i've never seen it i was like oh i didn't realize this is metal wonder on the game Boy advance and it was like two quid so i picked it up what's torok like on the like torok 2 on the game boy colors it? it's on is that pretty good? it's on the game boy it's a side scrolling like platformer slash like action game it's not very good Did it, you weren't very taken with it i heard some good things about that recently i, I, th- I, I think it's okay <laughs> you know i'm not like oh my god tom you yeah like blade blade is the excellent game by color game oh great i got a good one then two, i picked a good one two rock <laughs> i mean two rocks so it's okay there's a couple of two rock games battle of the dinosaurs yeah. i think is the game by one and it's not great oh okay maybe i'll tell you what tom barry i will play it I'll maybe even do a biographic on it, and then I'll let you know. Oh, you haven't done a biographic on Blade, have you? I've not done a biographic on Blade, and now you mentioned Blade, I'm like, maybe I should do a fucking biographic on Blade. That's a good game. Sounds like an interesting uh, topic. I heard some of the original developers of Double Dragon um, worked on Blade. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a good game, Tom. It's a, it's a good fucking game. I have not... like so. My memory is somewhat hazy of certain Game Boy games because I've played so many of them... Mm. And I've, it's been a while since I bu- physically bought Game Boy games and like put them in the console, tried them out as soon as I bought them. I was like, yeah. oh, this is okay. Yeah. Blade is a fucking good game. Blade stuck out a there country mile. So, so from one uh, character who likes to wear sunglasses to another character who likes to wear sunglasses, Neo. Uh, let's oh, talk yeah, about the, the Matrix. Matrix Awakens. Do you like my um, segue there? I mean, it, it could... It, it could have been smoother if you hadn't hammed it up a little bit, I think, Tom Parry, if I'm going to give constructive criticism. I did but that was, that was a damned some... good segue. It was a, the potential was there. It could, could have been better. It could have been better. I mean. It's okay. But... I mean, compared to where we started with this podcast, Tom, I'm going to let you off on that transition. Uh, so, Matrix Awakens is a demo for the Unreal Engine 5. It's available on all modern consoles, even the Xbox Series S, which it runs on very well and proves that that console is capable of very good things, um, if you weren't sure of that already. Uh, But yeah, I mean, obviously it said it's best on the Series X and the PS5. I've played it on PS5, and I believe you have too. I have. 
I say play it is an interesting thing because it's more of an experience than 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 a traditional game. Mm-hmm. Its very nature is to demonstrate how good Unreal Engine Five is, and uh, it's very good, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it's very impressive. Right. right then, visually, I think it is absolutely really impressive. The weird mm. bits of gameplay in it, I was just like, oh, this just feels weird. Like, why? I didn't have to do this. I the the chase. To, I didn't you're, you're have to shoot of... at a car. Like, yeah, shoot the wheels. Shoot the wheels, man. It just feels really clunky. Like, I don't know. I well, mean... it feels. I wouldn't say clunky. It feels smooth. It's a smooth experience, but it doesn't really feel like you're interacting much. You're just moving the stick and pressing the trigger. But yeah, it's all running in real time. This is the amazing thing about it, isn't it? This is you're not watching a cutscene. You're interacting with something in real time, and it is very impressive. Yeah, but I, I mean, compared to right, like. After that sequence, so we should we should preface this. Like it is essentially it's free to download. Anyone can do it with the consoles Tom mentioned. Essentially it's a bit of like, hey, we have Keanu Reeves talking to the camera in the matrixy way that sometimes he does in those films where he's talking about reality in a very serious voice. And it looks What amazing. is real and what is not real. Yeah, like the the, the yeah. Keanu model in that first section is Fucking mind blowing. Well, it, it it moves, doesn't it, from video to a rendered yeah. version of him, and it, it's very close. <laughs> it it it's amazing. I I yeah. fortunately, um, the actress who plays Trinity and like anyone else in that demo doesn't look as good as Keanu. You can tell they've put a lot of time into Keanu Reeves. Mm, um, Carrie Ann Moss, I Carrie think her name Moss, is. Yeah, she. I mean, she looks good. Her model looks good, but uh, there's something about uh, Keanu's. I think that's used particularly to make you sort of second guess what you're looking at. Is that actually uh, CG or is that um, real? And 100%. CG rendered in in real time on the hardware. That that's a big thing, isn't it? This isn't just. I had to say to because I was playing it with Claire, and I had yeah. to say, no, this isn't a cut. This isn't a CG cutscene. This is. The console is rendering this in real time. And it's like, wow. And I, I watched a Digital Foundry video on it, and, and they said those sequences that are letterboxed, yeah. um, that's an advantage because they're not rendering the whole screen yeah. or something like that. They're just rendering what's within the uh, black, you know, uh, within the letterbox gotcha. boxes. So it enables that section of the game at least to uh, render it in a higher resolution, Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Than, than the actual because it does open up after after that initial sequence at the beginning and I tell you what that scene where the camera's hovering above uh, Neo at the desk yeah that I thought that was video from the film but apparently yeah, me, me I, I've since discovered that that is actually rendered yeah it's bonkers uh, computer like, generated imagery yeah it's nuts I mean to be fair like we've known for a long time the, the Unreal Engine Five is capable of stuff like this some of the squ- some of the stuff Square's done with it. Hmm. And I'm in the. Well, there was that demo with the, the rocks and the the girl flying through the rocks. Yeah. And all that. It's just it's crazy. Like I, I, my one thing with it is though, is does it will it make for more interesting games? That's my my only. Well, one no, thing. it's what you do with it, isn't it? It's just a tool to make games with. You know, I think I just thought, you know what I thought about? I was like, what if they made Shenmue 4 using a real engine 5? <laughs> oh, now you're dreaming, Tom. That was my first thought. <laughs> what, what, if they, what if they made a Yakuza game, Tom? That's the question yeah. you should really ask. No, I, yeah. I, 
we talked about this a little bit last week when I was playing The Last of Us, and we kind of touched on it again today, where I feel like that world feels particularly authored because everything does look so good that it kind of constrains you as a player in in almost the same way that I feel like early PlayStation 1 games did. In that, interesting. In that the, the spaces that 2D game makers created when they transitioned to 3D games felt very contained and constrained. And I think when we started to get to the PlayStation 2 and then into the 360 those spaces opened up again because graphics didn't necessarily leap forward that much but the computing power of the consoles allowed creators of games to make more interesting spaces where mm. you know you could feel like red dead where you it was a world oh you well, could, i think we're already yeah, there with that it's just i think what this unreal engine 5 does is it's it's all about the lighting isn't it i think yeah. that's a big thing about it it's like the natural the way the light is created in the game nat more naturally makes it seem more real yeah and i think sure. that's really what we're getting it just seems more it looks more real you can't see so popping you can't see those uh anti-aliasing issues that that plague games no uh, so much so it it, it does feel like you are like Ratchet and Clank actually has demonstrated this previously already. Yeah. You know, we can now play a game that Ratchet and Clank demonstrated we play a game that plays like a CG, like a Pixar film. Yeah. And now this demo is sort of, I don't think they're there with character models. No. Uh, because it, but uh, other than what you see in that first cutscene, I think when you see Neo actually in the game world, yeah. He doesn't look quite as good. Yeah. Uh, but I think what we're going to get now is going to get games that look even more real that are based in, in the real world. Does, yeah, no, no I, yeah, I know what you're saying, and that's what I'm trying to say as well, is I think, does does a CG character artist spending like 700 hours making a photorealistic Keanu Reeves make the game better? No, or no, does, no, I'm or sorry. Does it, it, it's just... Or does it, yeah. like The Last of Us, when all of that world looks fucking incredible and lived in and everything else I talked yeah. about last week, does that mean that they have to constrain the, that game? Do they have to pull that sandbox back in to make mm, you believe yeah. that the environment you are in well, is a real environment? That, that it does prove that, because after the uh, shooting segment, you, you can free roam the yeah. city. And I think the city is quite big. It seems quite big. I don't know how massive. I haven't been... To each yeah. end of it, like I don't know if you have explored it. I completely. was flying around it for a good two hours because I was just like, "Oh, this is a Wachowski sisters film. Like, there must there must be a hidden fucking QR code or something in the room." Well, there, the you know, it. there's places you can visit, isn't there? That you can yeah. turn it to nighttime if you visit all these yes. places. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I was hoping there would be some weird, like, crazy Easter egg that unlocked a secret trailer to the film or something like that. Oh, okay. But I couldn't find any of that. Maybe did you there. turn off the Matrix filter? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Oh, do check that out in, in the graphical options because it looks even more real when you turn off that sort of green hue. It okay, has I'll do that. The standard. Once yeah. you turn that off, it looks a little bit more like a real uh, world. Yeah, but yeah, what those two hours of flying around the city taught me was. A lot of those windows or those houses repeat a lot of the same assets in those rooms. Yeah, I'm sure they do. And yeah. I, I don't know, like, 
and that's it's the... not as unique as you, you you're comparing to Last of Us and saying that like every building in that feels different and yes. feels yeah. And I mean to be fair, right? Like that's not the point of this. Like I'm not. No. This is a free gameplay demo. I'm not going to rib them on the fact that like they've just reused assets. I think it's just showcasing some of the techniques that are only possible on these consoles, and that is essentially a lot to do with ray tracing. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, if you combine yeah. that, especially with like the power of the PS5 TM, yeah. <laughs> the the whole idea that like the way the solid state hard drives and a lot of the things work on the PS5, where they render well, shit yeah. as you're turning the camera. Yeah. Yeah. It leads to crazy. In fact, um, again, going back to Digital Foundry, they did a test where they used. um, It's not actually as demanding on the SSD as it it might seem it is. Yeah. Because they did a thing where they got a lower power. Well, they got one of the um, SSDs, internal ones, and replaced the internal one on the PS. Uh, five, and they taped off some of the connections, and apparently by doing that, you could slow the speed at which the SSD runs at. Right. And it wasn't affecting the game. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, that was very interesting to find out that it actually doesn't need as much um, processing power. Speed. Think, yeah. yeah, it doesn't need as much speed uh, as, as you'd think it does. So, so I don't know how they... And actually, the file size isn't massive. No. For For, for the game as well, so... It's very, it's very interesting, but the, yeah, it, it can't be done on Xbox One and PS4. There's a reason why the demo doesn't exist on on those consoles. Makes sense, but hey, I, I it does honestly. It illuminates for me that like games are going to go into a weird, cool place in the future, and I like to see that. Yeah, but we want to see new and exciting ideas because from by playing Forza Horizon Five and Hey Halo Infinite, it's a bit different, but essentially, you know. It's more of the same. It's shooting things or driving things. Yeah. And um, I, I, I sort of, I can only do like, on Halo 5, I can do like one level at a time. You know, I, I don't want to play the game for any more than 45 minutes to an hour because I sort of had my fill of shooting stuff. Because you just know that next bit you're going to go into or the level is, well, I'm going to be shooting more stuff, aren't I? Yeah. And it, and even though Halo Infinite is a little different and you can just travel around it on your um, mongoose or whatever, uh, essentially the game is shooting. Yeah, you're going to have to shoot some yeah, stuff yeah. in a bit. And that's why you play it, because the shooting is so fun. But those games aren't ones I can just play for hours on end because it is just rinse and repeat shooting stuff or rinse and repeat driving yeah. Um, in in the case of Forza Horizon, um, and as good as those experiences are, it's sort of like we've been able to do that for years. We've had yeah. Halo for years, and and they've all sort of pulled off shooting very well. Uh, yeah. Forza Horizon for years, they've all driving's all been very good. It's just more and more of the same. So regardless how these good these games are going to end up looking, we really need a lot of vari- more variety. I think I'm curious to see how we get that because I think the more I've been reading books about well I mean the more I've been like enjoying media and the more I've been consciously thinking about the media we consume everything builds on everything else you know what I mean like the even though an original idea might seem like an original idea it's got its foundation in something else right like mm. so 
you know, like Red Dead wouldn't exist without Grand Theft Auto, obviously, because it's made by Rockstar, but it wouldn't exist without a wealth of westerns that have come before it and it's borrowed those tropes and taken those things mm. from it. And I'd seen something on Twitter the other day where it was the guy who made Iconoclast, I think, a Swedish developer, had said something about, like, I'm really tired of developers just, like, copy-pasting mechanics mm. from other games. And oh, it, it, yeah. It, it, it got... improves those games, though, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I'm glad that I played Alien Fireteam the other day, and I'm glad I can still press, like, down on my D-pad, to, D-pad or up, I can't remember, like Halo, to find where the next objective is. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. No, the objective's always on screen, but that was what I tried to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's a language contained within these games. Nowadays, it's to hold the button down for so long to do anything. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, bit, is the most popular thing. It's not just tap a button nowadays. You hold it down, a little sort of ring appears around it until you've held it down long yeah. enough. That is in everything. I mean, and it, also, yeah, the objective markers are like a, like a diamond shape with a little diamond inside of it, like they are in Halo in, in Aliens as well. I mean, God, I get pissed <laughs> off, like, to that point, I get pissed off when I can't, like, tag people in the same way I can in Apex Legends in any right, yeah, person shooter. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I just highlight this person? This is ridiculous. Anyway, and we said but, before, why can't you sort of have a radar on where you can see all the enemies yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. in, like, a, like a, one colour so you can easily pick them out? But I, I, his point was, like, he was tired of seeing, like, indie people releasing, like, you know, I don't know, uh, I can't think. like Roguelikes, there's a lot of them. Like a roguelike that's just Hollow Knight <laughs> again, but, you know, with different skins. Oh, yeah, and I mean, there's so many. He was just, them. people were arguing with him in the comments, and he was just like, yeah, but you, you realise that, like, the way that these genres evolve is people make these and as you say they do improvements to them he's like doom was the first person was the first first person shooter like people made millions of first person shooters still doom like doom became a genre doom yeah, made worth, all worth of these it, yeah. things but he where's said, the next genre yeah, yeah but it's also just like if no one had copied doom or tried to do doom we wouldn't be talking about halo infinite right now like yeah and if nobody tried to make shenmue then we wouldn't be talking about Yakuza. We definitely wouldn't. This is the thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, improvements happen over time, Tom. But it... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just... You know, it, it it's such an interesting thing, but I I wonder... What could you compare Last of Us to? As, as Where did Last of Us come from? Well, I stealth. Been, stealth. Did that come right? from, like, Hitman or something? It comes from, like, Splinter Cell, which comes from Metal yeah. Gear, which comes yeah. from, like, earlier PC games, like Commandos. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. there's lineage of all these things that goes way back for fucking everything. I mean, to be honest with you, the reason I bought a Playdate was because I was like, oh, cool, everything's controlled with a crank. Hmm. There's probably going to be one or two really interesting ideas here that I've not experienced. Yeah, before. have you got a play date yet? I have not, unfortunately, due to no. the pandemic, Tom Parry. They won't be shipping until the start of next year. I should have had it for Christmas, but so you're going to get a play date and uh, analog pocket around about the same time. Well, of those two purchases, I'm not going to lie to you. The play date is the one I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have bought a play date, but it was yeah. because I had money aside for analog pocket, and I was like, well, fuck it. Why not? Well, we'll we'll say now we've hinted that the analog pocket isn't cheap. No, I, I mean, to be fair, I was also in the throes of COVID and delirium when I pre-ordered my analog, yeah. uh, my play date. Oh, I was just like, oh, right, yeah. fuck it, everything's pointless. Why am I saying it? But we will point ah. out, it's not as much as an, I, an I, a MacBook. 
No, def. Far def. from it. It's a quarter. It's a quarter of of the I mean, price. I mean, Jesus Christ! You say the price is like two hundred pound. It's like two hundred yeah. two hundred nineteen dollars, I believe, for the analog pocket. I think the play yeah. date was something. I like... didn't want to hear how much I'd spent. Oh. Again. Well, I mean, you haven't even been taxed yet, Tom. So look forward to that when it ships. Oh, tax! I didn't even think about that. Mate, like honestly, the play dating. Uh, the play date included tax. And it added like an extra hundred quid to my order, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, but this is Im- import import tax. It was import it? tax, yeah, because Denmark's got ridiculous import tax, as you well know. But yeah, it, fortunately they did that at checkout, so I don't have to worry about that. I'll just brood over it when the analog pocket ships. Yeah, is it because it's above a certain value? Because I've ordered stuff from the US before and haven't had to pay import tax on it. Yes, it is above a certain value. I I don't know what oh, it is God. anymore for the UK, but for Denmark, it's like. I think like fifteen dollars or like twelve dollars or something like that, the equivalent to DKK. So it's obviously Did you get the like, black or the white one? I got the black one. I got a black one too. I thought, well, the white one might get dirty. I mean I also thought I haven't got a black handheld console. Apart from the original Game Gear, which I don't use because it doesn't work. Yeah. Um uh, yeah. I've got no, I I got the black one purely because I I saw someone actually um my good friend Rich on Twitter, at RetroDex, the guy making a Game Boy app, posted, I'm going to get the white one. He said, I think everyone's going to get the black one, which is a fair point. Yeah. Well, but I've yeah. never owned a piece of white plastic that is not discoloured over time, regardless of how good they are. So I'm just like, I'll oh, just get the black one. It'll look nice in 10 years. It'll be okay. Yeah, it may show up the dust a bit more, but it, yeah, it's going to last longer. Yeah. Exa- oh, I mean, with everything, with like, God, even my... Even guitars, like the scratch plates on a guitar, will start to yellow over time. It just happens. It's just a biochemical I wonder what, thing but, with plastic. But do you think, though, that they've developed plastic so much now and added something to the plastic to improve that? Because obviously, people know it's an issue. Yeah. You'd imagine that perhaps the uh, PlayStation 5, something about that white plastic, have they done something to it to stop it? discoloring because the the dreamcast obviously most dreamcasts are yellow now we all know that and i tell you what you don't even have to leave them out in sunlight um my friend gareth had his dreamcast in a box in the dark in a cupboard you know put it in there it was white a few years later goes in the cupboard it's yellow well it's just chemical composition mate it's just it's just the like the the pigments in the plastic reacting to the air like it happens yeah I'd be interested to see what the say the Series S and the PlayStation Five look like in a good few years' time I, if I, they manage to fend off that discolouring. I don't think they look like a Super Nintendo or a Dreamcast. I think they no. will be slightly yellowed though. And actually, we didn't even talk about that, Tom Parry. Which colour are you going to make your PlayStation Five now that there are official fi- PlayStation Five faceplates available? Do you know what I I, I quite like the white. Even though we're just talking about how white might be, yeah. If <laughs> I don't know, I'm quite happy with how it looks because it sits next to my uh, Series S, which is also white and black, you know, with the, the vent. So they kind of complement each other, and uh, I'm kind of happy with how how they look there. I might get the black one. I, I've seen fair enough. Like, yeah, when people bought the third party ones, they made at launch and they were black. I thought they looked cool, but also. I'm very aware of how dusty that console is. To be fair, it makes me dust the PlayStation 5 every time I put a disc in. But yeah, for some reason, that cubby hole thing it's in gets very dusty. Mm. Probably the cats, mm. but... Uh, we've got time to talk about any more games, uh, briefly? Maybe. Um, I 
if you want to, Tom. I just want guest. to just I... mention something quickly. Um, Claire, my girlfriend, for those who don't know, <laughs> when I mention her, yeah. um, she's been playing San Andreas. And on the, uh, this is a definitive edition. Yes. Now, I can't say anything about uh, GTA 3 or about uh, Vice City, but she's really enjoying it. You know, and for all that hate that these uh, definitive editions have got, she hasn't really experienced um, many bugs. I, I keep asking her after she played it for a few hours. She was like, "Any any bugs?" No, no, I've been really enjoying it. It's fine, like it. And so she's more than happy with it. So um, I don't know if maybe GTA Three and Vice City had more issues, but. Um, She's more than happy with San Andreas. And every time I see a play in it, I think, wow, you know, it does look really good. <laughs> okay. I'll give it so a go. I, yeah, I've been playing it. I, I, I actually started playing it, but then uh, she sort of took over my save game. So, uh, Fair enough. Uh, sort of, I, I've left it to her now. I just uh, <laughs> it's nice of you. play other games. Yeah. So she's loving it. I think she's at 14 hours playing it. I think she's got three achievements in like 14 hours. So it's not a game that just hands them out to you. I think you have to be very specific in what you do to get certain achievements. Like make your character overweight. You know, things like that. I think it's got a lot of those silly achievements. I think you get them for doing so many missions or whatever. But For those on the fence about, you know, the definitive editions, I can say, testify to San Andreas on the Series S, you know, solid Try it out on Game Pass if you've got it. It is still uh, still available on there. Yeah. And it certainly stood the test of time because, uh, yeah, Claire's loving it. I, I, I just I can't go back and play those old GTA games. They just, they just I've tried. I tried on the PS2. Mm. Well, I, I had that experience. I think I talked about it on the podcast. You know, I've been playing Horizon, uh, Forza Horizon 5 and then going to GTA San Andreas and it's like, yeah, the open worlds have come such a long way um, since then. And th- th- how you were uh, into... Hey, the driving in Matrix Awakens. Um, Claire played it and she said, oh, it doesn't feel like I'm really connected to the road. It feels like no. I'm floating above yeah, the road. The so even though the graphics are amazing, there's definitely some things that could be done better in terms of uh, the, the, the mechanisms in place. Uh, yeah. The driving doesn't feel particularly grounded in no. there. But it is impressive when you crash into a vehicle and it sort of flies up in the air, and that that is really interesting. Yeah, the physicsy stuff of it was really. The cool. physics are super impressive. Yeah, yeah, Aliens Fire Team's all right. Wouldn't rush out. Uh, I feel like I've done one level on it because it's on Game Pass now yeah. as well, uh, and I died in the very last Alien Enemy. One thing that surprised me about that game was how it was just waves of aliens and it felt like they were just cannon fodder until one of the really big ones come out. That's how the game plays out. You go from area to area, turning on buttons on computers, and then uh, out come a swarm of aliens. You'd just be shooting them all down till like a really big one appears. And then then the challenge is, is with those tougher enemies. I don't know how they can shake up this formula uh, after say the initial first level, I, I kind of get the feeling that every level is going to be the same. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really make me want to keep going back to it because I don't find that the gameplay is particularly satisfying in any in any way. Uh, but it's, it, it plays well. I mean, it controls well. It's well made. Um, it doesn't feel sluggish or anything. Really tight controls. But I just see it as a sort of empty, sort of vapid experience that. 
unless I think you're playing with other people, it's it's not the most amazing thing. I've played things like this before. Yeah, I mean, any of these Left for Dead-esque games that have come out, like Back for Blood and all these kind of things, I've just not... I just don't play games that way anymore, unfortunately. I can't talk to that one, but uh, I know Vermintide was a bit more interesting because you'd have objectives yeah. in the levels, like get this to there, you know, move this thing to this carriage before you can continue or pull this switch. I don't know. I don't think there's something about Vermintide. But then again, I've played more of that, more of that than Left 4 Dead. I imagine if I played Left 4 Dead first, yeah. I would think that Vermintide was uh, very similar and nothing new yeah don't get me wrong i think like vermintide improves on left for dead and i think even what they tried to do with evolve kind of improves on mm. left for dead because that's just that's total rock those are the guys who made left for dead and then and now made back for blood i i i just don't know i don't i don't play games that cooperatively anymore except mm. final fantasy like that is that is my i sit down and play but we're not even really playing together we're just having a chat when i play that with uni mates yeah, we didn't actually talk about yeah. Final Fantasy, did we? You no. said you were going to say a bit more to that. I mean, I, I can. This time. Oh, I beat Endwalker. I I beat the expansion. I think the story is great. Um, I won't spoil anything. Uh, yeah, I, I beat that game. It's very long. Um, I will say, if you are playing that game, the end is longer than you would think it is. I started around. I think it was like. 10 o'clock on a Friday evening. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll I'll just quickly do this. I went to bed at like 2 a.m. It's a, l- it's a long wow. sequence. I mean, you are interacting. It's not just like, okay, well, I'll go and sit through a cutscene. It is cutscenes, gameplays, dungeons, a trial, uh, another boss battle. Like, there are things going on. You are doing stuff, but it's long. It, it's a very long section. It's good, though. I, I think it pays off. I'm very curious to see what they do now. There's um as they always do at the end of these expansions, they like leave a little sting at the end, like a Marvel credits thing, to be like, oh, what's this? And I'm just like, I don't really care. <laughs> I feel I feel you've wrapped it all up quite neatly. I don't know if I need to give a shit. Yeah, we don't always need the extra thing on the end to say, oh. There's yeah, something it, else coming. You know what I mean? It's not like Marvel. It's not like, a, oh, God, Thanos after the trailers. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, there's a, a new character and he's said something I know nothing about. Do I really actually care? Yeah. It's one a definitive ending. I think, uh, And I think Endwalker can give that to you. I think if, if you want Endwalker to be your out to Final Fantasy fourteen, I think you get that. Yeah. And I'm curious if actually if it will probably be mine because I realise playing some of those last raids... I don't know if I really like playing those really complicated raids. I think they're a bit too finicky. Mm. So, yeah, let's see. Okay, fair enough. That's wrapped up. You won't hear me talk about it until the next expansion drops. Well, next. Let's uh, hope for some more Yakuza for Matt to talk about. Oh, Tom, don't worry. I've got got Lost Judgment. It's sitting there. It's calling calling me. It's beckoning me. Same with um, Deathloop, actually. I want to play more Deathloop. Started Spider-Man just because I'm on this high from watching that movie yesterday, but I really want to play more Deathloop. You're a big uh, RPG fan. You've not been interested to pick up Shin Megami Tensei 5? I have held it in my hands at least three times. I've heard it's really difficult, so I've not bothered. Okay. Okay. I was just curious about that. Oh, yeah. That's something I thought Matt might have uh, 
I also really, I really want to play Shin Megami Tensei Three, the remake of that they released as well. I just, I don't, I don't have that inclination to spend sixty, seventy hours on a game anymore. I kind of no. did. I I spent probably like thirty odd on Endwalker, but that was because I've already invested so much time in it that I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to see this through." Well, yeah, I'm going to um, complete Halo Five and Halo Infinite. I mean, yeah, I've been playing Halo Five since I got an Xbox One. Yeah, no, I I know. This is why I told you it's going to take you five <laughs> years to beat The Last of Us. Tom, long time <laughs> listeners of this podcast know it took you like what three years to beat Tomb Raider. Well, I did start it again. Because I started it on the PS3 and then I continued it on the Xbox One, I think. Yeah. So I had to start from scratch. No, I. I and won't. I got up to a, yeah, I got up to a point where I thought it should have ended, but I was like, yeah, okay, I'll keep going. And like. you know, it's it's a great game, a good experience all all, all round. It didn't need to be as, maybe as long as it was, and it wasn't even very long. So nope. there you go. Yeah, hey, I I never <laughs> felt the urge to play the the sequels though, so. We no, well, I started playing um, Rise of the Tomb Raider and thought it was very, very good. I'm uh, sure, I'm sure but, it is. Yeah. I just, I didn't need to have again. That it's, it it again. is. It does happen to be more of the same. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to it, it is a sequel, but that's how it goes. Right, let's wrap yeah. up this podcast, Tom Parry. Okay. Um, if you've liked it, you can find us in a variety of places, such as us on facebook.com forward slash Tom and Mads Attack. We are on Twitter at TMACast for the two of us, at Tom Parry 11 for him, at Game Boyle for me. You can listen to this podcast in a variety of places as well, such as on TomMattAttack.com forward slash podcast, on BlastProcess.com, or on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. While you're there, why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe? Etc. Etc. Wish us a Merry Christmas, because we wish is... you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. There we go. That's the song. Um, yeah, it, it, I guess. I mean, if you the... want to wish us Merry Christmas, you can. Matt sort of said it like a demand there. Please, you wish will. Merry Christmas. No, I'm sorry, that's probably. Um, I feel we we should extend uh, Christmas greetings to all our our listeners. Um, yeah, exactly. Enjoy. Happy holidays to those who don't uh, celebrate uh, the Christmas uh, time. Exactly. Just enjoy the end of 2021. Yeah. Hopefully. I, I feel like I said this last year and it kind of jinxed it, but hopefully 2022 will be a lot better, please. Like, maybe London won't be in a state of emergency and there'll be cinemas open and we can, you know, reminisce. Well, we won't have to worry and second guess ourselves all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be nice. Uh, and I have an analog pocket, so it, it can't be all bad. Surely I'll have a play date, it'll have a crank, I'll turn it and I'll go look at that. There'll I... be there'll... <laughs> there'll be a podcast covering all this and more. Exactly. The there will be. When we get um, them. But you know, look after yourself in this festive period. Um don't yes, take unnecessary yes. risks. Eat a be lot sensible. of mince pies or whatever the hell you're going to have to make yourself feel good and safe in this festive period try not to drink too much because hangovers suck play video games stay indoors it's kind of oh yeah you might get some some games for christmas you might and let us know what you got i won't be getting any i think i'm getting a ukulele and books but it'll be fine um, You've got a analog pocket coming New Year. So exactly, it Tom. I already bought the best Christmas <laughs> gift I could buy myself. It's fine. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, we will see you in 2022. And be sure, as always, to game on. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.